together before we walk into a time of reading, teaching, and clinging to the Word. Let's pray. Father, you are <laughs> you're the greatest of all time. God, you are incredible. And Lord, we, do, we don't say that truth lightly. We don't cling to that haphazardly, God. We genuinely believe this morning that you are the greatest of all time, God, and you can do anything and everything that you please and everything that you want. And we also believe, God, we affirm and we cling to the reality that had it not been for your incredible sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, then we would have had no remission of sin. There would have been no reprieve. There would have been no escape. There would have been no refuge. So this morning, when we dive into the scriptures, Lord, we pray that you would wash us in that reminder. God, that you would stir our affections to make you known, God, Lord, that you would pour out on us revelation that we can't, God, come up with on our own. God, we need your eyes to see. So we pray, God, very intentionally this morning that you open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, and open our hearts to receive all that you have for us. Don't let us miss a thing this morning. In Jesus' mighty name and God's family said... I mean, it is a joy to be with you this morning, and, um, and I just want to say this, if you are a guest, if you're visiting, and you're like, oh, it was a little too dark, and people started yelling, uh, listen, th- those are uh, men and women who have just been radically transformed by the incredible grace of God, and they can't contain it, and that's just how they worship. Um, and that is equally as valuable as someone who might sit with their hands folded and never utter a word. They are of equal value to us, so we want to celebrate both. Romans 10. Nobody cheered after that one. All right. Should I put a partition in front of me? All right. Romans 10, verse 13. Let's get to work, and, and we can finish this chapter this week. Um, we, I want to recap kind of and pull from verse 13 where Paul was writing and remember last week we talked about by faith alone, that it was, it was not by works of man, and you've heard this Sunday after Sunday, and you'll hear it till, um, till I kick the bucket, right? That it's not by works of man, it's not anything that we've done, but it was by the gift and mercy of God that we were allowed and graced with an opportunity to repent of our sin and turn to Christ. And he said at the end of Uh, his little discourse there where he kind of summed up in 13 and he's about to launch into 14 through 21. He says, for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Remember we talked that saved did not, like praying a prayer, just walking down the aisle did not equal salvation, but it was genuine confession. It was genuine repentance. It was contrition over sin and a turning of our lives away from our sin to the cross of Christ, right? Amen. Okay. So then we get into this other piece of scripture where Paul's super passionate. I'm going to read it for you. Then we're going to work back through the text. Verse 14, excuse me, verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to bear to hear without someone preaching? Don't you remember that word, preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not obeyed, they have not all obeyed the gospel. 
For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Faith comes from, does anybody see that word there? Hearing and hearing through the the word of Christ. We're going to hit this point over and over again, but it is not, it's not faith comes by hearing and hearing by the opinion of random pastors. It's not faith comes by hearing and hearing by working really hard to earn our salvation. It's not faith comes by hearing and who's ever written the most popular book lately or who's on the bestseller list at Lifeway. That is not what the scripture says. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. God created in Shalom in the book of Genesis by using what? His word. So this morning when we work through this text, I want you to feel the weight of the importance and the preciousness of the word of God. And I want you to be equipped as a congregation, as people, for if I ever err from the word, you can hold me accountable and tell me to shut up. Right? Don't we want to equip our church family to be grounded on the Word of God, not on TJ's opinion? My opinion doesn't matter. There are a lot of things that I think, and then I look at the Word, and God's like, boy, shut your mouth, right? So the Word is going to be elevated this morning, not to a place of what they call bibliolatry, where you worship the Word and the text, more than the God of the text, but we will lift the word this morning to look at it in its preciousness and, and hold it as valuable. Listen, verse 18, I, I, I should just finish reading and then I'll preach. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Verse 19, but I asked, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you jealous For those who are not a nation, with a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Remember that word foolish. Verse 20. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found of those who did not seek me, and I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, right there. Aren't you glad? Because if your conversion's anything like my story and the Apostle Paul and so many others, he was found of someone not really seeking him, right? Kind of stumbling through life, doing our own thing, building our own kingdom, and all of a sudden the grace of God runs into us and shows us the beauty of the cross, right? Man. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Let's begin with uh, just a question and we'll build from there. Why do we preach? Paul seems, I mean, Paul seems tense. I mean, you look at the, 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 the elevation of the text. You look at the, how he's crescendoing into this piece of the text. How he's like, listen, look, you, you confess with your mouth. You, you're saved. Those who call on the name of the Lord. He's, he's at this excited point to where he revealed the misery of man and the brokenness of man, the, the depravity of man. And then he's like, for those who call on the name of the Lord, those are the ones that he saves. But he's, he doesn't end there. He says, but, but how are they going to hear if there's no preacher? How are they going to hear? And listen, I'm not going to elevate the office of a preacher this morning. 
Martin Luther, who was not a, he was not a, a, a pastor, he was actually a university professor. He was the leader of the Reformation. You guys know who he is. You've heard of him. But he said that he would not trade the office of preaching to be a king or an emperor. Now, he, he wasn't necessarily a pastor, though he did preach about 200 times a year. So I'm not elevating the office of preacher this morning. I want you to understand that there are those around us who are perishing. There are those around us. There are 9,100 and something people groups in 2008. Now I think because of the reach, there's 6,354 people groups that are unreached, that we would consider unreached. Around 1,600 or 1,900 of those 3,000 people groups who are unreached, 1,600 or 900, have no access to the Scripture, no Bible in their language. And you say, TJ, are you sure about your facts? I might be off a number or two, so go to Barna Research and look it up. You can go to Radical.net. You can look it up there, too, and there's a list of the stats and the, the statistics of all the unreached people groups in the world. So Paul is kind of sitting on the, on, on, on the precipice of his, uh, of his point. He's sitting right at the edge, and he's going out. He says, how will they hear? Like, we want people to be saved, right? We, we want people to experience the incredible hope that we found in Jesus, but how will they hear without a preacher? So listen, point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, it's the ordained means that God uses to save people. The telling of the gospel is what God ordained to use to save people from their sin. You say, are you sure about that, TJ? Well, let's look at what the word says. There is a grace on the preached or spoken word. This is my word. I'll give you the verse in just a second. There is a grace on the preached or spoken word of God. And that is why Jesus commanded his disciples to go and do what? Do you remember what he said? When, when he was leaving the earth, you can find it in Matthew 28, Acts um, 1, 8, he says it. Do you remember what Jesus said to his disciples, the people that he loved and wanted to impart his ministry to? What did he say to them? Go and, did he say go and dance? No, because he knew he would, go to, he, he would send some to places where there would be no music. And if there was music, it would sound like a dirge and not a celebration. He said, go and make disciples. Because it's the... Now, there's nothing wrong with dancing. You guys know me. I know we're in a Baptist church, so we're not allowed to dance here, but it's not doesn't mean that the Bible says you can't dance, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I want you to hear this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. Listen, Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So, so there's a purpose for the Holy Spirit coming. I want you to see this. There, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my what? witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the way, the preordained means that God put in the heart of man to resurrect dead people is the word of God. It's the telling of the scripture. Often we like to say this, and I've said it a lot of times, so if I'm throwing you under the bus this morning, just listen, I love you, okay? But so often we say, you know, share the gospel at all times, 
you know, if necessary, use words. How many of us have heard that slogan or that phrase? Listen, can I be honest with you this morning? Now, we, we believe that, that Mormonism is a false gospel here. We believe that like, the, the sect of Jehovah Witness is a false teaching, a false gospel. But often you see people from those um, different sects or cults, if you will, you see them pedaling their bike in 100 degree heat going to tell their message, right? They got a whole lot wrong, but that was one thing they got right. That they were supposed to go and share. That's really the only thing they got right. And, and as, as evangelical Christians, we're kind of trumped there. Because the command from, from God to us is not, not go and build big, pretty buildings, not, not go and, and put on a show, not even necessarily have a band-driven worship. That was not the command. The command was go and do what? Make disciples. Go and be my witnesses. Why? Why be my witnesses? Because the story of God, your redemption story, and the grace of God intersecting your life and transforming you is the means that God will use to bring other people to that same salvation. Isn't that incredible this morning? That he pinned his personality, his temperament, his grace into the Bible so that we could read it, we could digest it, we could memorize it, and then we could tell it to the world, and they would be saved. Check this out. I tell people all the time. I was raised Pentecostal and I've served in, in a, some non-denominational churches in a Baptist church now for a little while. And I even told somebody this morning, I said, I, you know, I'm a little too Baptist for all my Pente super Pentecostal friends. And I'm a little too Pentecostal for my super Baptist friends. But, but I want you to understand why, like, if, if you don't hear me emphasizing the expression of the Holy Spirit in dance or in miracles. I want you to understand that there's a, there's a purpose behind it. I absolutely affirm miracles. I absolutely affirm laying on of hands. I absolutely affirm the reality that God can speak through someone to a person and affirm it in his word. I absolutely stand behind those things. But my focus on the word, the importance of elevating the word, the importance of looking at the word this morning, is because that's the only thing that was promised to save dead souls. Jesus even said somewhere, it'd be better that you be halt and lame and go into heaven than totally healed and go into hell. Fact check me. We do it with our president, it's good enough with our preachers. Fact check me. Jesus said, I'd rather you go into the kingdom of heaven. It's better that you go into the kingdom of heaven, halt or lame, than into the pit of hell being totally healed and restored. It is the gospel and the word that redeems I know that's not popular, but that's the truth, y'all. Listen. We preach, and all of you, you tell your gospel story, you share your faith, because it's, it's the preordained means that God used to radically redeem men and women. But not only that, because it's powerful. Like, I don't think we realize what we have when we hold this book. Like the revelation of God to man on paper. I don't think we realize. Listen, the word of God is medicine to the sin-sick heart. Psalm 107.20 says this. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Listen, the word of God is a lamp to our path. 
Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Listen, the word of God is the sword in battle. Ephesians 6, 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We preach the word, we stand on the word, we sing the word, we cling to the word, we affirm the word this morning because not only is it the preordained means God used to save men, but because it's powerful to heal, redeem, and restore for all the ages. And it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The word blankets all creation. It has the ability to save any man. Next point, if you're taking notes, it undermines the wisdom of the world. 1 Corinthians 1, 19 through 21, I want to read this to you quick. It says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. There is one who is wise. Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Listen, listen to this. This is awesome. The thing that that propelled Christianity to what it is today was God redeeming uneducated, nobody fishermen, some educated apostles, some tax collectors, some guys that nobody really liked that much. So he kind of picked some from what you would say is the top of society. He picked some from what you would call the middle, the, the lurches of society. And then he, he kind of scraped the bottom of the barrel with guys like the Apostle Peter and T.J. Malden. Just kind of scraped the bottom of the barrel. And it's the craziest things because he, he uses men and women to speak the gospel. And it's the speaking of the gospel that makes people... And you'll have a guy, I remember this. You, you remember those times where you had a conversation or you were handed a track or, or you heard a song. Somebody challenged you to listen to Caleb, 30 days of whatever. You know, just don't listen through the telethon because that's horrible, right? <laughs> Get a CD or something. I'll give you some. But check this out. He didn't, he didn't raise up some great military leader to strategize, strategize how he was going to conquer the world. He came as a baby, and he humbled himself to be born in a manger. He lived sinless, and he said, foxes have holes, birds have nets, like, like even creation has somewhere to sleep, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So he lived kind of what we would probably consider this gypsy. He didn't spend his time building big houses and having big barns. He spent his time doing the will of the Father. And then he went to a cross. And it would be that humble birth and that humble life and that humble death that we would tell. And, I mean, think about it. We tell that and it makes the hearts of men and women beat fast in conviction over their sin. Or in compassion over the lost around them. In compassion over injustice in the world. We speak the word of God and it, and it lifts us up from our pits of despair. Men cling to ideals and opinions, but the word gives us a stable foundation and a cross to cling to. Listen, the word of God single-handedly dismantles our fears and crushes our insecurities. We say we can't. 
God's word says with him all things are possible. We say we are weak. God's word says that's when we are most strong. We say it's hopeless, but God says he can make all things new. Whatever your wrestle this morning, whatever your battle, whatever the play, whatever place you're sitting in this morning, he has something to say about it. But don't minimize the importance of his word. Don't cast it to the side. Check this out. So preaching matters. And I say this to you because I believe, based on the Bible, that we're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. And that he's chosen all of us, all of us that are in him, we've been chosen to carry this message to the world. So this doesn't mean that you abandon your job. This doesn't mean that you quit your sports team. For some it may. He may call you to do that. But what this means is that you take this word and you live it out in front of people and you tell them what he's done in your life. Sometimes it goes really well. It's called evangelism. I I have a friend... um, He's in Albany, and, uh, and I think I've told you this story before, but I want to share it because the Lord put it on my heart. But, but like, he has this way of just starting random gospel conversations. I've told you all about that before. His name's Johnny. And Johnny could literally walk into a subway, and he'd be like, could I get some, could I get some pickles and some mayonnaise, a little salt and pepper, a little oil and vinegar? Oh, by the way, do you need Jesus? For whatever reason, the lady behind the counter is like... <laughs> Listen, he traveled in a band with me. He had the gift of evangelism on him. Like, he just had this grace on his life to tell the gospel story. And people's hearts would break. If you you look at scripture, you look at a a guy named Stephen who told his gospel story one time. Does anybody know how that went for him? He stood up and he preached through all the history of God's people. And when he was done, he, he talked about the transformation of his own life. He was stoned to death our first recorded martyr. It doesn't always go well. Sometimes it goes perfect. But listen, the point is is that we are faithful to God to share this word. It's the only thing that will save. Our silent moral life will not save anybody. The declaration of a gospel of hope and a redeeming God who covers sins by his own sacrifice, that's what saves. So hear this. So preaching matters. Do we get that this morning? We agree together? Preaching matters in whatever context we're in, not just from this pulpit, but in our homes with our kids, in our, on our sports teams, in our jobs, in our companies, right? It matters. Preaching matters. Listen, I'm going to hit this real quick. What we preach matters. Listen, we preach, we sing, we discuss, and we stand on the Word, and only the Word. I want you to hear this. Mark Dever says it best. He said, that's the point of the Bible. Because our own sins, we could never know. Because of our own sins, we could never know God otherwise. Either He speaks, or we are forever left to our own speculation. Men love to speculate. Men love to write books. You go into the dummy section at Books a Million, and there is a book on how to do everything, right? Men speculate. Men have ideas. But the Word is where we ground our lives. The Word is where we build our families. The Word is what we preach and what we sing and what we cling to. Listen, I want you to hear this. It's the primary and most precious way to know God. So, TJ, why are, why are you making such a big deal about the Word this morning? It is the primary 
and most precious way that we know God. Hear this. If we preach or speak from a place of authority, something that isn't true, not only will we, will we be accountable for it, but also people will often leave with a wrong gospel, wounded and unchanged. That's, it's, that's why it's important that we get this right. Listen, this is why I personally assault the prosperity gospel, universalism, easy believism, bad doctrine, and poor church policy. That's why I assault those things. Because when you're grounded on the word, you have a full, balanced view of who God is and what he wants to do in and through your life. Because the gospel, this word has been entrusted to us, it is too, it's too precious. It is too precious to be kicked around like a cheap toy that can be bought or sold. So preaching the gospel matters. Telling the story of Jesus matters, but telling it correctly matters. And that's what we do on Sunday mornings in here. This isn't just a party, though it is a party. This is where we come to learn and be discipled. This is what Sunday schools are for. So we can, we can get into a small group of believers, or either it doesn't have to be the Sunday school hour, but, but a community of believers where you're talking about, feeding on, thinking about the word of God, because this is all that will stand. He said prophecy will cease. Knowledge will cease. He finishes that phrase with, but my word will remain. I want you to hear this. The word is the revelation of God to us. Therefore, we must give the world what we have, no more and no less. Let me make this point real quick. I know some of you might be getting anxious about time. I promise I've only got about an hour and a half left. All right. I'm just joking. Maybe. No more, no less. He's given you his revelation. He's given you his word to carry to the world. So I want to make a point about theology, the study of God. Some of us think if we, if we, don't, if we don't have it pinned out or laid out, or, or maybe your camp, you know, we've talked about Calvinism, Arminianism, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian. We could list out all the pedigrees, right? And we're really all eventually at the end of the day just a bunch of mutts that love Jesus. I know that's not comfortable, but it's true. You say, well, TJ, I, I don't know enough about theology to share the gospel. So I, I know people who, who've come, and this is the genuine fear. I don't know enough about God. I don't, I don't really know enough about theology or all the different, you know, Baptist, Methodist, this, that, baptism, sprinkle, dunk. Like, I don't know all that stuff, so can I share the gospel? And, and I, I want you to have a take home this morning. If you're sitting there and you say, TJ, man, I, I want to share with a coworker. I, you know, I want to share with a friend. I got this friend in math class, and the Lord's just been burdening me to share with him or share with her. And some may think that because you don't know all the facts, you can't verbally give the gospel to anybody. And to that, I, man, I say hogwash. And I want to tell you why. 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. This is Paul. Probably the, the greatest, greatest theologian of all time. He, he single-handedly, with the influence and power of the Holy Spirit propelling him, he planted the New Testament church. And this is what he said. He was a Pharisee of Pharisee. And this is what he said in 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I resolved to know nothing. All my formal education and training that he could have turned back on the Pharisee's head because he knew it all very well. He was a persecutor of the church. 
All of his doctrines and creeds and ideals, all of our doctrines and creeds and ideals, all the things that we cling to that we think are of primary importance, all bow at Christ and him crucified. They all bow. You say, TJ, so what do I say? Man, tell them your story. Tell them about the Jesus who radically transformed your life. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to know theology. You don't have to know those things. Paul said, I knew nothing but Christ crucified. Do you have a story this morning? Has God radically changed your life? That's your first step to being the greatest evangelist in Tifton, Georgia. Just tell your story and have it grounded on the word. I'm about to wrap up. Listen to this. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. What we preach and say matters so much because we are sharing Christ with the world through words. Words are important. And when we prize and preach the word of God, he gets much glory. Amen. Amen. When we prize the word, when we preach the word, when we stand on the word, God gets much glory. I want you to hear one quote. This is by that same old guy that I mentioned earlier, Martin Luther. This is what he said. He said, when asked about his accomplishments as a reformer, when he was asked, what, what, what did you do? What was the, what was the, what was the thing that you did to, to change the world when it comes to their view of God and justification by faith and all these deep things? You know what he said? I simply taught, preached, wrote about God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. His word did it all. I want that to be the testimony of our lives, and I want that to be the testimony of our church. How did you reach somebody? How do you reach so many people? How are, how, are, how are so many people saved and turned their lives to Jesus? We, we don't know anything except Christ and him crucified. This story that radically changed our lives, this gospel of, of God sending his son in our place, we just went and told our friends and our neighbors and our, our coworkers, and, and God did the work. His word was sufficient. I want that to be the foundation of my life. I want that to be the foundation of your life and I want it to be the anthem of our lives. God, we, we prize and we, God, we cherish your word. We're going to wrap up this morning. I just want to pray with you as the, Nick's going to come and he's going to, he's going to sing this morning and, um, and, and you're going to have a time to respond. And I want you to remember while we think about this that preaching matters. It's not necessarily standing on a pulpit, but it's just opening your mouth and sharing the gospel story. Why does preaching matter? Because it's the means that God ordained to saved, lost people. And not only that, preaching matters, but what we preach matters. Know your Bible. Dig into your Bible. Stand on the word. You'll find it.